start a new series tonight. I know that's everybody's favorite time of year is when we start a new Sunday night series. I mean, hey, that's big news, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so tonight we're starting a new series called Faith Is. And we're going to take uh, the next few weeks and we're going to look at different things that faith is because there's a lot of different aspects of faith. And I mean, we could never we would never have enough time to cover all the different aspects and angles of what faith is. And I can tell you this, that I mean, one big thing you've got to know out of Hebrews eleven six it says without faith. It's impossible to please God. So I would say that faith is a pretty important thing for us to look at. Faith is a pretty important thing to develop because I want to please God. Okay, there's a lot of people I would like to please in this world. You know, I like to make everybody happy. I'm just that kind of guy. I know some people, you know, they like to you know, enjoy conflict and making people mad. I'm not that guy. I want people to like me. And I want to, I just want to, I want people to be pleased, but... If I could please anybody, listen, God Almighty is the one that I want to please. And it says, if I don't have faith, it's going to be impossible for me to please God. And why is that? Because it takes faith to even believe in the existence of God. Why is that? Because you've never seen God. And so if you believe in something strongly that you've never seen, I mean, that right there is the essence of faith is believing without seeing. And so there's a lot of different things we're going to look at. We'll probably go about eight weeks on this. This should carry us into the fall time on Sunday nights, and everybody will be happy again because of the cool weather. But until then, I want to get you something with this, all right? And so the first thing we're going to look at tonight is part one of this. Faith is confident. Faith is confident. And I can tell you this, when you know that God is on your side, when somebody is just a strong person of faith, they just have this confidence about them where, yes, they face trials like everybody. They they do have things come against them, but it's like nothing seems to shake them. They're just so confident every day. They just keep walking straight ahead and things are coming against them, but they aren't looking to the left or to the right or looking, man, what are we going to do? I'm going to have to run this way. They're not looking to just blow everything up and start all over. No, they've just got this confidence that, yes, Things are coming against me, but what's even bigger than those things is God, my Father, and He's going to pull me through this. And so I'm telling you, part one tonight is this, is that faith is confident. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to say an opening prayer here that I want to really get into this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have an opportunity to come out and and open our Bibles on a Sunday night with our family and, and just hear what you have for us. So, Lord, I pray tonight that in the name of Jesus... You're going to speak to every single heart here, God. And, and Lord, you're going to show us things that we need to see. You're going to bring us to a higher level so we can reach that promised land that you have for us, Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, point number one tonight is this. Number one, when you're living in faith, you are confident that God will keep his word to you. I'm going to say that again. When you're living in faith, you're confident that God will keep his word to you. You're confident that God's not a liar. And so I want to show you a great verse here tonight, and that's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's flip over there. Hebrews 11, 1. We're going to have to work on the excitement meter. I mean, listen, I get it. It's hot. We all get it, but come on. Hebrews 11, 1. And, and I love this. 
Thank you. Thank you. Hebrews 11, 1. And, uh, and the King James says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm going to look at it here in the NLT. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Because, I mean, I just love the way that this is worded right here. Hebrews 11, 1. It says, Faith is the confidence. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. And I love that faith. It, it, it gives us this confidence and it gives us an assurance about things that we can't even see. And I, and I mean, have you ever just talked to somebody and they, they've, been, they've prayed for something and they're just convinced it's going to happen? And if you're looking at their situation through conventional wisdom and you're looking at it through the natural eyes, you're looking at them, you know, if you're, especially if you're not a person of faith, you're looking at them saying, this person is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, they prayed for this outlandish thing, and they are convinced it's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I don't want to burst their bubble, but it just doesn't seem like that's not going to happen. Listen, if you've got faith, you have this assurance, even though you can't see the answer, even though you have no idea in the world how God's going to make it happen, you're just absolutely convinced, oh, it's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't care how. It's just going to happen. That's all that matters. And when you get to this level of being so confident in God, you quit trying to figure God out. Listen, I quit trying to figure God out a long time ago. I can't do it. I don't understand God all the way. I, I can't figure him out. All I know is that when I believe him and I do what he says to do, really good things happen in my life. I mean, that may sound like, gee, that's pretty, you know, dense. That's pretty basic. That's, I mean, it comes down to that. If you believe God, truly believe him, and do what he says to do, man, you're going to have a good life. Yes, situations come. Yes, trials come. But you just plow right through them every single time, and you're confident, you're convinced, and you have this assurance that what you hope for is actually going to happen. Now, I've, I've found this definition of what confident actually means. It says confidence is it's marked by assurance of success. But I want to get to this. Confidence means being very bold and presumptuous. Very bold and presumptuous. And, and as I break that down, I can say this, is that faith people are bold. Every person that I know that's a strong person of faith, every single one, is a very bold person. Now, I'm not saying they're a loud mouth. They're not all loud mouths and, and, you know, just really loud, abrasive people. But every single strong faith person I know, they are very, very bold. And whenever a situation arises, they, they attack it, okay? And that's how I want to be when a situation comes in my life, maybe a health thing comes against me or a money thing. I don't want to be the guy that sits there and, oh, Lord God, start the prayer chain. I mean, just everybody, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, dear Lord Jesus, just go, oh, if you just throw something my way, God. I want to be the guy that's bold and says, no way, devil, in the name of Jesus, you let go of those finances right now. How dare you touch my health? How dare you come in and try to bring strife into my house? Listen, I want to be that bold person of faith. And so confidence, one aspect of confidence is being very bold. And the next thing that it says here about confidence, if you're looking up the definition, is being presumptuous. 
And I know that the faith people that I know, they're presumptuous. Now, in the world's definition, they say that, you know, oh, this, this person, they're just, that they're just being presumptuous. You're praying to a God you've never seen and you expect him to answer? That sounds pretty presumptuous, doesn't it? That doesn't sound pretty presumptuous. It sounds very presumptuous. I am, I've absolutely, I presume that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. If that, you know, if you think that's bad, then more power to you. But listen. When it comes to the ways of God, being presumptuous is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I presume that God's going to do what he said that he's going to do. If the Bible says that I can bring the tithe into the storehouse and he'll rebuke the devil from stealing from me, I presume it's going to happen. All right? I, I just I, I trust that God's going to keep his word. You know, if the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover... I presume it's going to happen for me. I mean, you know, I can't determine everybody else's life. And, you know, I'm, if it didn't happen for this guy, that's none of my business. I'm dealing with me and God here. It's not my business if he or she didn't get healed or he and she, you know, had a financial crisis. Hey, I don't know their business. All I know is that between me and God, I trust that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And, and you've got to focus on that and focus on the word of God. Don't be one of those people that, that well, I know the Bible says this, but why didn't it happen for them? The Bible says this, but, but what about last time? Listen, I don't know all that stuff. All I know is that I believe the word of God. And, you know, just like the Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God be true. OK, I, I presume that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, and, and yeah, we're a little presumptuous here. And and I can't tell you how many times I've seen my parents take a leap of faith and everybody else was saying, oh, my gosh, that is nuts. But every single time, man, they come out on top. And that's what people of faith do. And 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 when you know that God's on your side, when you're relying on him, you can just go ahead and make decisions. You can go ahead and obey what God's telling you to do and not have to worry about what people think. Not have to worry about, well, how is it going to happen? How am I going to make this happen? If I take this step of faith, how am I going to make it happen? That's your problem right there. You're trying to figure out how you are going to make it happen. You are relying on you. Don't rely on yourself Rely on God. God's never failed anybody. And, and I mean, I like to think about that. Wouldn't it be cool, you know, you know, some of us are into baseball and stuff. What if there was somebody that had a career batting average of 1,000? Okay, and I'm not saying they took two at-bats. I'm saying this person's been playing in the majors for, what, you know, a couple million years, however long God's been. <laughs> All right? Say, think about that. Somebody that has never, ever struck out. Somebody that has never failed at anything. That's incredible. And that's God's batting average. God has never failed at anything that he's ever done. Everything that God does is a success. Everything that God does is a success. He's never failed at anything. Now, again, sometimes we look at someone's life, well, why didn't this happen? It wasn't God's fault, okay, because God, God's not a liar, number one, and God's not a failure. He doesn't fail at anything that he does. And so if I know that the one that's never failed is on my side, man. I'm going to listen and do things the way that he says to do. All right? You know, I mean, I'm not going to listen to some guy that has a 250 average when I've got, you know, the best hitter ever giving me tips and telling me exactly what to do. I'm going to listen to the guy that's never missed a pitch in his life. And, and you got to think about it that way. If the Bible says to do something, even if it makes no sense at all. Okay, there's things the Bible tells me to do that they, sometimes they don't make any sense to me. All I know is if I do them, 
it's going to turn out really good for me. It doesn't matter, you know, if I understand. I don't understand how I give 10% of my income to God. You know, logically, that means, well, that I'm going to have less money. I, I, I'm living on it 10%. You know, if, if we're looking at a natural standpoint, right? I mean, that's given that's given away a chunk of my salary after taxes. That doesn't make any sense how I'm going to have more money. But God says, just listen to me. My ways are higher than your ways. You don't have to figure me out. Just listen. If you'll take this step of obedience and do something that you don't even understand, listen, I will get it back into your life. Give, and it shall be given unto you. The world says give, and, well, now you don't have as much. You know, you got five apples, you give two away. Now you only have three. That's no fun. But God says, listen, you give me all your apples, I'll give you a whole stinking truckload of apples. I'll give you more than you can even handle on your own. So much, you've got to give them away. So listen, God's ways cannot always be understood by your little pea brain, but get it. Listen to me. If you do what he says to do. If you'll just take that step and do what he says to do, my God, things turn out so good in your life. There, you don't have a chance in the world of failing if you'll do things his way. But if you keep doing it your way, I mean, there's all kinds of chances that you'll fail. I mean, heck, you could, there, you could, I mean, there's a thousand ways that you could screw things up. But if you'll do things God's way, man, you are going to be one massive success and testimony. Now, let me show you something here in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Now, this is a verse we should all know, but Mark 11, 23, let's flip over there. Mark 11, verse 23, and this has got to be, I mean, one of the, the foundational verses of my life and probably of most of your lives. But Mark 11, 23, in fact, it's so foundational, we've, it's one of the ones we've got right up here on the walls, one of the main verses here. But Mark 11, verse 23 And it says this, Jesus saying, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart. A lot of people speak to the mountain of time or two, but they've got doubt in their heart. Okay? It says you shall speak to the mountain, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's a very, very bold statement that Jesus said right there. That's hugely bold for him to come out and say, listen to me. If you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe, you receive, you shall have them, all right? But he says this, if you, if you say it out of your mouth, man, and you actually believe that those things that you say shall come to pass, he says, you will have whatsoever you say. I'm like, Jesus, that's pretty bold. You sure you want to make that guarantee? Because that's a guarantee right there. Gee, that's like a 100% guarantee. And, you know, think about it. Most companies these days can't even put a guarantee on their product anymore. They're, you know what I mean? They're like, hey, you know, we, here's a $1,000 product. Do you want to buy the 15 you know, the, the $50? Because uh, we can't guarantee it's going to make it out of the week. I'm just saying you may want to buy the warranty. And, I mean, nobody can guarantee their stuff anymore. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said, listen to me. If you'll do this exactly right, this, you can have whatsoever you say. I guarantee it. I'll sign my name to that. I will, I will put my name on that. That if you say it and you actually believe it, you can have whatsoever you say. I guarantee it. Like, whoa, Jesus, 
That is bold. That's a little presumptuous, isn't it, Jesus? That's a, that's, that sounds a little presumptuous. Are you sure you want to put that out there? And he, I mean, he didn't make a mistake. He put that in there. And I, listen to me. The people that I have seen that have taken this verse and genuinely used it, I've seen people absolutely move mountains. I've seen cancer fall away. I've seen leukemia in my life fall away. I've seen just marriages come back together that just looked impossible. I've seen people come out of financial just pits, man. I've seen people's children come back. I've seen just the most miraculous things happen for people that have got Mark eleven twenty three and got some guts about them, got some courage, got some heart inside of them and spoke to the mountain in the name of Jesus and said, mountain, I don't care how it happens. All I know is I'm telling you right now, you are being cast into the sea and I'm never going to hear from you again. Mountain move in the name of Jesus. And when people do that and truly believe, Again, I got to highlight that a lot of people are. Well, I tried that, man. The last Monday I, I spoke and I still got the problem today, man. Listen, it takes more than that. It, it takes more than just saying something out of your head. It's a heart thing. OK, you've got to truly believe it in your heart that that mountain's going to move. And when you believe it, the impossible can happen. Absolutely. But you've got to believe it. It, it. Absolutely. You have to believe it. And, and listen, you've got to do the believing before you do the receiving. A whole lot of people, they want to receive and then believe. That's what Thomas did in the Bible. He's like, I'll believe Jesus rose from the dead when I see his hands. And then he takes it a step further. No, listen, I'll believe Jesus came back to life when I can feel the holes in his hands, then I'll believe. And Jesus appears. I mean, what do you think Thomas felt like then? Like, oh, dear God, here he is. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing. But listen, Jesus said, Thomas, you know, man, I love you, brother. I love you. Okay, you're believing because you've seen. But blessed are those who believe even without seeing. All right? And so if you're going to wait until you get the blessing, if you're going to wait until the prayer is answered, before you receive it, it's, you're going to be waiting a really long time because that's not faith. Anybody can believe after they've already received, but that's not what Jesus told you to do. He said, you've got to start believing it before you ever even see it happen. And that's presumptuous and that's bold. But listen, Jesus can be trusted to keep his word. And evidently, Jesus' word wasn't good enough for Thomas. Jesus' word wasn't even good enough for Thomas to believe. Now, I'm telling you, and what I tell Jesus is, your word's good enough. I'll take you at your word. You said you'll do it. That's good enough for me. I don't need to see it. I don't need to have a confirmation. I don't need, you know, God, give me a sign. If you want me to take this job, have this happen over here, have this happen over here, and have this happen over here, then I'll really know it's you, man. You're a New Testament Christian. You don't need to be praying for, you know, this, this, and this to happen for you to really know that God spoke to you. Man, if you're a child of God in the New Testament, he speaks to your heart. You don't need a bunch of signs to tell you that God's real. Man, that's not faith at all. If you've got to, if you've got to just see different signs and, and, and different things and have confirmations all the time to believe God, something's wrong with you, man. You don't have faith. You should be able to believe the word of God at face value. Well, Jesus said, given it shall be given. That's good enough for me. I don't need anybody. I don't need a bunch of stuff to happen to prove it to me. That's good enough for me. And so, listen, don't be like Thomas. You've got to believe before you receive. 
and then you will receive. It will happen if you believe before you receive. So people of faith, man, they're confident that Jesus can be trusted at his word. And the second thing we're going to say is this, is that when you're living in faith, you can confidently obey God through tough times. There we go. I got my youth group kids in here. (laughs) When you're living in faith, you can confidently obey God through the tough times. Now, somebody that doesn't have much faith, you know, they're like, okay, I got this. I'll believe God. And then something tough happens. They're like, oh, God, never mind. Okay, I stepped out too far. Never mind. Okay, um, um, let me go back over here for a while. And listen, if you've got faith, if, if you've got this confident faith, Tough times are going to come, but that's not going to change how you're obeying God. You are still going to obey God. And I think about Noah. You know, think about this guy. If you think God's asked you to do something tough, if you think you've got a tough, think about Noah. Okay, here's this guy. Genesis uh, 6 tells us that he was the only righteous man in the world. It says everybody continuously did wicked things. I mean, there was just, in Noah's day, there was just perverseness like you wouldn't believe violence just nasty stuff going on and god said and you know you know the story but god says listen i need you to build an ark okay what's an ark it's a giant boat okay what's a boat i mean they don't even know that it says that it had never rained before up until that point in time god watered the earth by water coming up out of the ground each day and it watered everything but water had never fallen from the sky and so god tells noah listen Water's going to fall from the sky. <gasps> Serious? From the sky? I've never heard of such a thing. And he hadn't. But this is just the most crazy thing that he's ever heard of. And, I mean, you know, we're used to that. You know, you would feel weird if water, water rained up out of the ground. But God's saying, no, no, listen, I'm going to make water fall out of the sky. And it's going to rain and flood the whole earth. And it's never rained before. And Noah's like, okay, cool. All right, I got this. And so he tells Noah, build this great big boat, get your wife and kids on it, and get all these animals. And I mean, listen, we are so, we've heard this story since we were three years old, but think about the faith that that took. You are the only righteous man in the entire world. There are no other Christians. There's nobody else that even believes in God. People are probably making fun of you, ridiculing you, and here you are with this assignment to build a giant boat. You don't have a Home Depot. You don't. You don't have power tools. You don't. You can't go to the lumber yard and get some. You know, go buy wood. And you don't even have a tape measure. You got to build this giant boat. It's like the size of two football fields. And I mean, just this huge structure. You've got to make your own nails, wooden pegs. You've got to cut wood, cut trees down. You've got to do all this stuff. You've never seen a boat before. You have absolutely no model to go off of. You've never even seen rain and all this, yet you're doing it day in and day out. People are making fun of you. People are saying, all right, yeah, water's going to fall from the sky, Noah. I'll, I'll bet. I'll, I'll sit here and wait. Yep. And it took him years and years and years and years. And, and I mean, and, and nothing happened. Can you imagine that? He looked like a fool for all these years. But let me show you something in Genesis chapter 6. Let's turn over there. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Now, we're saying that, listen, people of faith, they obey God even through tough times. Genesis chapter 6, and uh, we're going to look at verse 22. So, so God tells him exactly how to build this boat. 
how exactly how to do it. Make it out of gopher wood. Do this, do this, do this. It's going to be these dimensions. It's going to be this high. It's going to blah, blah, blah. And, and Noah's just like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Genesis 6, verse 22, it says, so God, or excuse me, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Wow. He did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And I know so many people, God gives them a, a little task to do, and they're like, they're trying to, you know, have God, well, God, I'll do it, but can I do it this way? Maybe if I could just go around this way. and if I'll, I'll, I want to obey you, but can I do it my way? Can I, can I do it on my terms, God? Can I do it when it's convenient to me? Can I cut corners? Can I go this way? And people are trying to tell God how to do it. Man, listen, no, be like Noah. Noah did everything exactly how God told him to. Talk about faith. Talk about faith, man. Right there, and, and again, everything is pointing to him looking like a complete imbecile. And he does it exactly as God said to do. There's not one thing in there that he said, God, it'd be a lot easier if I could do it this way. Or, or God, could you please just make this happen? God, could you, could you help me set up a GoFundMe page and have people donate? And, you know, it'd be cool if I got some money, some little cash flow. And no, none of that. He just did what God told him to do. People of faith obey even when it looks really, really hard. Now, the thing about it is, though, is when you obey, even when it's really, really hard, there's a huge blessing in the end. There's a huge blessing. Huge blessing. But, but I want you to look at verse 5 here. Because if Noah was living based on his emotions, the ark never would have gotten completed. If he was live, if, if he was doing it based on what made sense to him, or you know how is you know well no one's hooked up with me, it never would have gotten, it never would have happened. Look at Genesis six verse five. It says the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. God God looked down at, at, at the human race, and he's like everything was consistently. And totally evil. And so I'm telling you, this was really hard on Noah. I mean, I guarantee you, people were trash talking and everything every day, making fun of him, trying to, you know, stop the work from being completed. But he still went through with it because even though God's ways don't always make sense, they always pay off when we do it his way. Every single time it pays off. You know, I was thinking of a of a testimony. This is a few years old, but Heather back there, I remember this when she was a waitress. I just thought this was a great testimony. She was telling me how all you know, most of the servers they didn't want to claim all their tips because they'd get taxed more on it. You know, you know, whatever. But she decided, well, you know, I need to do things the right way. So she started claiming every penny that came in for the you know, and paying taxes on it. And everybody, you know, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is you know, this is the testimony. And, you know, the other servers are like, that's stupid. Why are you doing that, man? Nobody does that. You know, wh- nobody does that. Just be like, be like everybody else. And she said, no, I'm going to do it the right way. And, uh, and her tips went through the roof when she started doing it God's way. She started getting more tips and more money than everybody else. Now, conventional wisdom says that, no, that you don't want to do it that way. Nobody does that. First of all, just, it's okay. Just be like everybody else. And, and I mean, you're going to have to pay more taxes. You're going to get less of that. Don't do that. But God's way doesn't make sense to our mind, but it always pays off. Always. And listen, 
one of the sweetest things in the world, all right, one of the sweetest things is when the blessing finally comes and everybody else that thought you were a fool, everybody else that thought you were crazy, everybody else that didn't want to get in that boat, when the flood comes and you're just as dry, you know, as, as can be, everybody else at that point, when they can look at your life and say, oh my gosh, you were right. I'm just saying that's a pretty good feeling. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, not, not a I told you so feeling, but it's a pretty darn good feeling when you're inside the boat looking out, you know what I mean? And you're just doing great and everybody else thought you were crazy and here you are in the best position of your life and you're, you're dry, man. You're doing great. Listen, that's a good feeling when you can look out and say, God was right. I am so glad I didn't listen to you fools. I'm glad I did it God's way. Amen. And so God's ways don't make sense, but they always pay off and they are always right. And so I'm telling you, quit listening to your friends. Quit listening to the news. Quit listening to all the advisors in the world. If they're telling you to do things that are contrary to what God's saying to do, do not listen to them. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I won't take counsel from somebody that's not a Christian for anything, man. All right, I'm serious. I, I know I, I, some, I had some friends that, that they were there, had this financial guru they were listening to on TV. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm not being hateful. I mean, but the lady's a lesbian, and so she's not a Christian. And so I'm, I'm looking at this situation. I'm like, I don't care how smart she is. I don't care if she's a trillionaire. I am not going to listen to ungodly counsel. She's going to tell me to quit giving 10% to that church. She's going to quit telling me to feed the kids in India. You gave $1,000 to, a, you know, a water well in India? You're crazy. You know, that's what you make in a month. Listen, I'm not listening to that stuff. I would take financial advice from one of the children in the nursery at this church before I would take financial advice from that lady. And I'm dead serious. You think I'm kidding? I am dead serious. You know, I, I refuse. And so what I'm telling you, godly person, is this. Don't take advice. Don't take counsel from an ungodly person because they don't understand the ways of God. And they're going to tell you to do ungodly things. They're going to lead you down a wrong path because they can't possibly comprehend the ways of God. And so listen to me. When you are a faith person, you obey God when it doesn't make any sense. And even when things get tough, you still keep trucking ahead. You stay the course. You keep doing what you've been doing, even if it takes 120 years, because the rain is going to come. And when I am on that boat with my feet kicked back and I'm, you know, I'm just enjoying my life. Listen, I, you know, I feel sorry for everybody else, but... God told me to do this, and I did it, and I feel great right now. You know what I mean? So check it out. Do things God's way even when they don't make any sense. Now, I'm going to show you another verse here. Let's go New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And here's a verse that you need to know. You need to know 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You need to know this. You need to memorize this. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And how do I know this verse? My pastor said it. I wrote it down, put it on a three by five card, and I memorized it. Amen. 
All right. If you were here this morning, you get that. Second Corinthians 5, 7. Yeah, and hey, you can listen to it online. But Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Most people walk by sight, not by faith. But if you're a Christian, you are to walk by faith, not by sight. Live your life based off of what the Bible says, not by what you see. And I personally thank God that Noah walked by faith, not by sight. I personally thank God that Joshua and Moses and Abraham and David and Paul and Peter and all these great men of the Bible, I am so glad that they walked by faith and not by sight because if they walked by sight, they would have all quit and found something else to do and, and I mean, just jumped ship and got the heck out of there. But they walked by faith not by sight. And and so I'm telling you, God sees things that you don't see. Just obey him and just take it out of his word. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, and some of my brothers are farmers and they have this really strange ability to tell when it's going to rain. Even I mean, even better than like the weather channel. I'm serious. Like I my my older brothers, they can tell you when it's going to rain, how far the rain is out, and I mean, how much, and I'm like, what? It's just bizarre. But, you know, I think it's just this, you know, instinct that farmers build up over the years. But, you know, I, I can think of times that my brother, well, dadgum, it's probably going to pert near rain about three hours from now. You want to put a dang old coat on, man? It's coming. You know, and one of my brothers talks like that. So, anyway, it's like, I'm telling you, man, dadgum, it's, it's coming, man. Pert near going to rain five inches, 30 miles that way. And you're like, man, it's a blue sky. But I've learned to take him at his word, okay? Walk by faith, not by sight. And, I'm, and it's, it's bizarre, but, it, you know, like, yeah, it's 29 minutes out. You better get a coat on. And here it comes, you know, like out of nowhere, a storm. You're like, man, how'd you? And I don't know how he does it. I, he just does. And so, but it's the same way with God. I don't know how he knows what's come. He just does. And so I'm telling you, do things his way, even if it doesn't make any sense. And you're going to be really glad you did. And so let's get to point number three here, and it's this. Is when you're living in faith, this is a good one. If you haven't written anything else down tonight, write this down. When you're living in faith, you can praise God even before you see the answer. When you are living in faith, you can praise God even before you see the answer. You can pray, speak to the mountain, and you can just start raising. Thank you, Jesus. It's a done deal. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Man, hallelujah. That's good. Thank you, Lord, that I've got that money. Hallelujah. And everybody else will be looking at you saying, you don't have a penny, man. What are you thanking God for that you've got that money? You don't have that money. Yeah, I do. I told God what I needed. I spoke to the mountain. I've got the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have it. Yeah, I'm healed. Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm healed. Now, I think about it this way, and I've said this before, but, you know, imagine what if some billionaire, you know, came in, we'll say Mark Cuban, you know, a lot of you know who he is, billionaire. What if Mark Cuban came in and just came up and he wrote you a check? He's like, I like you. You're a nice guy. Here's a check for $3 million. It's yours. Now, would you say, well, Mark, I'd like to believe this, but I don't know if you can come through on that, Mark. I mean, how do I know that I can trust this? If it was me. And Mark Cuban wrote me a check for $3 million? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, whoa, I'm a millionaire. Hallelujah. And everybody, I don't, I mean, that money is not in the bank. I haven't cashed that check. But I am so confident that he has got the goods to back up that check. I consider myself a millionaire already, even though I haven't touched a penny of that money. 
I consider it a done deal. I start thanking him. Thank you, Mark, for making me a millionaire. Hallelujah. You know, and, and it's the same. How much more should we be confident with God and his word? If God says, oh, by Jesus stripes, you're healed. You should start dancing right then. I'm healed. Hallelujah. Yeah. If he says, you know, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Why do you have to wait till it's in the bank to say, thank you, Jesus? I am so confident that God's got the goods to back that check up that I'll say, thank you, Jesus, in advance. I don't have to wait to see it. It is a done deal. Have you ever known somebody that their word is as good as gold? I mean, I know a lot of people that if they tell me they're going to do something, I rest assured, okay, it's done. I can check that off my list. Let me just go on to deal with this over here. Now, I know I have a lot of people, though, that they say, oh, yeah, Pastor Dave, I'll take care of that. And I'm like, great, okay, um, let me find out a way to get this done because I know there's no way they're going to actually follow through on that. And, you know, that's sad that some people can't be trusted at their word. But somebody that is continually delivered time and time again, and I can, and they say they're going to handle it, that is, that's very helpful, okay, <laughs> you, know, as, you know, as a leader and everything. And when someone says, you know, I'm going to take care of it, when you can say, okay, you know, it's Jesse. I, I know he, he does what he says. I'm just, it's a done deal. We'll check that off the list and keep going on. But, again, how much more so can I trust God? than anybody else if god says he's got it under control god says that it's taken care of then why in the world would i sit there you know tossing and turning what am i going to do what am i going to do here we go again now we're going to start all over because you're trying to figure out what you were going to do stop it you have no answers you there's no way you can fix the situation if you could you would have done it a long time ago don't look to yourself look to jesus the author and finisher of your faith. And when Jesus said that he's going to do something, when Jesus promised you something, it's a done deal. You can take him at his word. He doesn't have anything else to prove to me. I don't have to say, well, Jesus, could you, you know, give me a sign? Stop that. Take him at his word. You can believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Let me show you this. 1 John 5, 14. I'm trying to hurry here. 1 John 5, 14. Amen. First John five fourteen. You look at this in the New King James, but check this out. And this is, you know, John obviously wrote this, and he, man, he knew some things about Jesus. He was one of his best friends. First John five. We're gonna look at verse fourteen, and he says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Well, that's good news right there. That's enough to make me happy right there to say, okay, if I ask for anything according to his will, first of all, okay, I know he, hear, he heard me. I know sometimes people are like, I just don't know if God's hearing me. I, I, well, if you're asking for something according to his will, then yes, he heard you according to 1 John 5, 14. And that's good news. But I've got even better news for you, and that's in verse 15. It says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So if you ask in confidence and you ask for something according to his will, okay, you can't ask for something that's not according to God's will. You know, you can't go out and ask for an extra wife. It's not according to God's will. You have no, no you can't claim that. That doesn't work. You know, you can't go out and, you know, ask God to bless you with, you know, a, you know, a bountiful pot supply or something. Can't ask for that. But when you ask for something 
according to God's will. Be confident that he hears you, and you can be confident that you will have the petitions that you've asked of him. That's a good feeling right there to know, okay, God, I asked you. It's according to your will. You said you want to supply my needs. You said you wish above all things that I'd prosper and be in health. You said that you want my family to have the peace of God. You said that it's your will for my whole house to serve you. Then, yeah, I asked you. It's a done deal. I'm just going to praise you right now. I don't have to wait to see it. I thank you right now, Jesus, for making it happen. You are so good. Man, you are so good. You can praise him in advance. And the last thing I want to show you tonight, and this is a good one, Acts chapter 16. Oh, it's a good one. This is a dandy right here. This is a good one. Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. And we're going to show you the perfect example of what it means to praise God before you can even see the answer. But Acts chapter 16. We're going to look here at verses 23 through 26. But Paul and Silas, most of you know this story. Paul and Silas, they cast the devil out of this girl that could tell fortunes. Make a long story short, her owners get mad. They have Paul and Silas thrown into prison. Paul and Silas are severely beaten. They're stripped down. It's beaten to a pulp. I mean, there's a bloody, gory mess thrown into prison. And look what happens. Acts 16, verse 23. It says, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So that's two bad things in one day. A beating would have been bad enough, but now you're in prison. That's two bad things. It says, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Talk about a bad situation right here. I mean, this just looks really bad. And, and I'm sorry, but if you, you know, we've, we've studied a little bit prisons from that day and age. Okay. You know, and I wouldn't want to go to a prison anywhere at any time. But the prisons back then were a whole lot worse even than they are now. I mean, talk about filth. And here they are. They're put into the worst part of the prison. And they, there's, they have a lot of directions they could go with this. God, this isn't fair. Where were you? We were out there preaching. We were out there, you know, praying for the sick. Man, we were out there. We cast the devil out of a girl, and this is what happens to us. Thanks a lot. Where were you? You said you never leave us or forsake us. What happened? Where were you? I can't believe this. I thought you had my back. And that's how I know a lot of people would react. Let's get real here. I I don't know how you would react, but I know a lot of people that something far less than that happens, and their first thing is, why, God? Where are you? Why, Why did you forsake me? But listen, Paul and Silas, they're in a bad situation. No denying that. But what you choose to do in the dungeon, what you choose to do when you've been beaten up a little bit in life, determines how things are going to turn out. And so Paul and Silas, instead of complaining, they took the chance to praise God. And so look at this. Look at verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I love this story. They're in there, and instead of complaining, instead of whining and crying and moaning and blah, 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 they're singing praises to God. Think about that. And they can't even raise their hands because their hands are locked up, their heads locked up. And here they are. They've probably got a little bit of this going on. You know, the Baptist wave, that's all they could get up. But here they are, and, and they're saying, 
Lord Jesus, we thank you. Well, we praise you. You're so good. And there's, there's just, there's, and then I'll bet they're getting louder and louder and louder and louder because they're in the inner dungeon and all the other prisoners could hear it. We're talking about through some thick concrete walls here. So they weren't just, oh, how I love Jesus. <laughs> Why? Why? No. They are belting it out at the top of their lungs, singing praises. How great thou art. I mean, just boom. Get it out there. And these other prisoners are like, I think those fools are they are singing down there. They're, they're singing down there. They just got the snot kicked out of them. They're beating, and they're in their underwear singing loud. What is wrong with these dudes? But listen, because they didn't wait to get out of prison to sing, some people would say, God, when I get out of this, I'm going to praise you. When I get through the storm, when I get out of prison, I promise I'll serve you. I promise, Lord, you just get me out of this one, and I'll serve you forever. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that line. If you won't serve him now, you sure as heck won't serve him then. For real. For, I mean, I, I, one of the dumbest things I ever hear is, I, you know, I heard this one old, old redneck. Reverend, I'll tell you this. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to build you a new church. No, you're not. No, you're not. You'll be even more greedy and stingy with your money when you have a whole bunch of it. Don't lie to God and don't lie to the reverend. You're not going to do that. Quit lying. And so listen to me. If you aren't willing to praise God in the midst of the trial, you're not going to praise him when you get out. Don't lie to God. Don't waste his time. Don't waste our time. Just get real and say, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. But Paul and Silas, they were singing and praising and raising a ruckus, and when you will in faith praise God, it causes something to happen. God will shake things up in your life, even though it makes no sense, even though you don't feel like singing, God will shake things up and get you out of the prison that you are in. So look at verse 26. So they're singing, praising, and everyone's listening. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And I'll bet at that point nobody was laughing at Paul. I'll bet at that point nobody was making fun of Silas. They, they dropped the mic, and they're like, thank you very much. I believe that I'll be on my And they got out of there. They got to step in, and they were out of that situation. And I'm telling you, you may look like a fool right now because you're so confident and you're so presumptuous. They won't be laughing later when you're out of prison. They won't be laughing later when they're coming to you for help. They won't be laughing later when you've been married for 65, 70 years, and you've got an amazing, wonderful family. And they won't be laughing, man. So I'm telling you right now, do things God's way. Praise him when you don't feel like it. Praise him before you can even see the end result. Praise him. Thank him. Consider it a done deal. And just watch what God can do in your life. Dear God, you are going to be one huge testimony. And people are going to say, there's that guy. Just watch out for him. God is on his side. And so that's part one of our series 
faith is confident. You can be confident. Amen.